This morning, I want to go back into what we've been talking about. I, God laid this on my heart back months ago to do a sermon series about behind the curtain, that there is a, a, a spiritual realm behind the curtain of what we in this natural realm, we cannot necessarily see. And there is a spiritual realm that is just as real as this natural realm realm is. And the things that are going on behind that curtain, you know, we can put our head in the sand and never take a look or never want to see or never want to experience or be a part of anything that's happening behind the curtain. But that doesn't change the fact that what's going on behind the curtain affects what's going on on this side of the curtain. And as those that are the redeemed of the blood-bought, those who have been touched by grace and those who are operating in faith, God has given us an authority that we can in this side of the curtain, we can over here in this natural realm, we can have an effect on what's going on in the other side of that curtain in the spiritual realm. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, he has given us weapons of warfare. Why does God give us weapons? Look, God's not a God who wastes time. I mean, he's not a God that just spins his wheels. If he's given us weapons, the reason that he's given them to us is because we need them. We need these weapons because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against powers and principalities, against the darkness and the rulers of this dark age. Our battle is going on. It's, it's a battle that he's calling us to fight on that side of the curtain. And if the devil, if he can just continually get us fighting amongst ourselves on this side of the curtain, then you know what? He has won. And that is often why the church today is losing in so many places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. My battle is not with you, church. My battle is not with any of you. Our battle is against the spirits that influence each and every one of us in different ways. So each and every one, each and every one of you have different ways in which you have been influenced by the spirit of darkness. Yet God's one truth can minister to every single one of us in this place. So we want to take a look behind the curtain. Um, I, again, I, I'm going to show you this picture here because this is kind of what sparked <laughs> The Wizard of Oz, that prophetic movie. <laughs> prophetic, pathetic, I don't know what you want to call it. But behind the curtain, there was someone, something pulling the strings and pushing the knobs and turning the wheels that were causing all sorts of things to happen on this side of the curtain. And the revelation is the same for us today, that there are things that are happening on this side of the curtain that are being influenced on that side of the curtain. And just like Toto, we're supposed to pull back that curtain so that we can see that God has given us an authority over whatever it is that's pulling those strings. Amen. We won't have it if we just keep our head in the sand. So I'm going to share with you again things. You, you all may not agree. That's okay. As I, as I told first service, you have every right to be wrong. No, I mean, you have every right to your opinion. I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me to say. And you're going to have to do with what I say what the Holy Spirit says for you to do. That is between you and him. And, and I trust that. But let me say, even if you don't agree with me, you are welcome here. Do we, ha do we really have to agree on everything to be able to be friends? To be able to be family? I don't know about you, but I got a lot of brothers and sisters. And they're all weird. So I've been sharing with you, I took over the past few weeks, and we're going to keep going with this, but I, I want to share with you, I, I, what I'm talking about right now is in a general term, I'm talking about this laying the groundwork of Babylon. What's going on in Babylon? And this is a generality. I am talking about this city of Babylon, the prince of Babylon, but eventually we will get into, and I promise you that, it, it, you know, we'll get into some stuff that, yeah, it'll be controversial stuff because there's controversial things that are happening. And we will see some of the demons that by name need to be called out. 
Some of the, the, the works of darkness that are happening, we'll, we'll do that. But I, I want you to see we're laying out this generality of what's happening in this place of Babylon. And then we will begin to get more specific as to how individual demonic forces are influencing what is happening in Babylon. So what, what I want to talk about at first is the spirit of Babylon. We've been talking about what that spirit of Babylon wants to do. That the spirit of Babylon, we talked about this, and if you haven't been here, I'm not going to go through these things in depth. You've got to go back, and you can take a look at the, um, the sermons online. You can find them there and, and, and watch these on your own. But the first thing that we talked about was that the spirit of Babylon wants to own you. It says in Daniel chapter 1, in verses 1 and 2, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Okay, now, what we have is this collision that's happening. We've got the, the King Jehoiakim and the people of Judah. This is a, the people of God, and there is Nebuchadnezzar and this evil force that's coming against them. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he comes to Jerusalem and besieges it. He comes and attacks it, just like there's an attack happening now. There's this attack that came against the people of Israel, people of Judah. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. Very important point. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, again, the place of Babel, where the tower of Babel was built 1,500 years ago, or before this, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So the enemy, he wants to enslave you. And one of the ways he wants to enslave you is through syncretism. Synchronism is when you begin to combine religions. So what did he do? He took some of the articles from the temple of God and he took them to the Babylonian temple of a false god. And he took the things of God and took them in there so that the people would come to this temple, this false god temple, to worship the artifacts of God, not the true God. And church, this is happening today. I, I don't, you know, I don't call out ministries or I don't, I don't do that. But there are a lot of churches today that have been put together and literally could be temples of a false god. And inside that temple of a false god, they are worshiping the artifacts of God, not the one true God. They're worshiping the, the worship. They're worshiping the, 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 the minister. They're worshiping this. They're worshiping, they're worshiping the things that God had given, the artifacts of God. And when we begin to do that, when we begin to combine religions and synchronism, we, he, he, we become slaves. And that is the enemy's intent, is to enslave us. Amen, Pastor Mark. Amen. Second, we talked about the spirit of Babylon wants to train you. In verse 3, it says, And the king commanded Aspenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, to stand in the kings. So God's intent is to take, or the, the spirit of Babylon's intent is to take the people of God and to put them in a place where they're being trained in the ways of a false god, in a demonic kingdom. Let me take the people of God and teach them. Let me teach them. Let me train them how to live in a demonic kingdom in a way that's acceptable, in a way that's appropriate. So today what I want to do is just finish up with this third part, and then I want to go into what it is that God has given us. Because yes, there are things that the demonic, there are things the spirit of Babylon is trying to do, trying to do to us. And we're talking about that, but I also then want to get into the place where the victory that we have in Christ is, is presented. Because just as the spirit of Babylon is trying to do things in us, there is a spirit of God that has given us the victory. There is a spirit of God that has given us his promises, his authority and his name, the name that is above everything every other name. So I don't want you to be people without hope. We will talk about and expose the work of the enemy so that we can see the victory that God has given us over. Yes. Amen? Yes. So third thing I want to mention that the spirit of Babylon wants to do is the spirit of Babylon wants to tempt you. In verse 5 it says, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So here we are. Does, what does that sound like? 
People that are being, that are t- being taken off to somewhere else, eating all the food they want to eat, drinking all the wine they want to drink, and spending three years in school. This is a modern day college experience. Amen, Pastor Mark. <laughs> this is the University of Babylon. This is where they're being sent. And, and listen, if you do not think that we have the University of Babylon going on in our universities, in our schools, again, I, I, I commend Lori for the stand that she's made against the pornography that's happening and being presented in the libraries and schools that we have today. Listen. We are seeing a full-blown onslaught and educators that are fighting to keep it there. Church, it's demonic. And then he says in verse 6, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah, the people of God. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Now think about this. Daniel, I told you last week, Daniel is far away from home. He's, he's in a place that he's never been before. He's in a place with, with everything that's brand new. He's taken away from all of his family, everything he's known. He's out of his home. He's out of his culture. And he's taken into this brand new place where there's all these new people, all this new culture that he's never been introduced to, never known about. It's this new language, this new religion, there's new gods, there's new customs, new holidays. Everything is new for this teenaged kid. Now just think for a moment about the amazing temptation that he would have been introduced to here. The temptation of everything. This young, it says here, it says, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food. The food that who ate? Yeah, a daily portion of the king's food. So if you just walked 700 miles, you were hungry, you were thirsty, and you came to this place, you're a prisoner of war, you've just been dragged out of your country, and now you're in this new country, and you say, hey, man, you guys got anything to eat? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, the king's refrigerator is open to you. Hungry? Go get it. It's all there. Can you imagine the temptation for Daniel that would have been there? The king's house is open. Go get it. It's awesome. The best food. The best wine. Church, some things never change. Spirit of Babylon still wants to introduce you to what the Spirit of Babylon believes to be the, the best food and the best wine. You know, if you notice, well, I'll talk about that more in a minute, but he gives them what they want to eat, the best. Look, how much trouble do we get in today drinking too much wine and eating too much food? There is a temptation and the temptation that Daniel had was real. Let me, I, I will say this. The king's food and the king's wine is addicting. God's isn't. Right. Amen. I have never seen somebody come to the altar because they've got a vegetable addiction. <laughs> oh, pastor, will you pray for me? I've been drinking way too much water. But this world has given us these addictive things. How much trouble do we get in? I mean, look, this temptation is real. The food that the king ate was the best food. The wine that the king king drank was the best wine. And so they had all this offered to them. And then they put them into the University of Babylon where they would be educated for three years. They were in this undergraduate program at the University of Babylon. It says they were educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. What was that three years for? It was three years to brainwash them. It was three years of deprogramming. It was three years to deprogram them from everything that their mom and dad had taught them, from everything that their God had told them, from everything that the scriptures had shared with them, from everything that they learned in synagogue. It was three years of deprogramming and three years of reprogramming them into the ways of the king of Babylon. 
Church, let me tell you, it was three years. It says they were, they were three years for what? To teach them how to stand before the king of Babylon. Our young people today, man, our life today, our society today, our culture today is doing the same thing. It's training us how to stand before the king of this culture. When I want you to hear, there is a bigger king. There is a better king. There is a king of all kings. A king that we will stand before one day. His name is Jesus, and he is the king above every other false king. And one day, listen, one day you're going to die. Sorry to tell you that. One day you're going to die. One day you will rise. And one day you will stand before the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Church, why do we spend this whole lifetime worrying about our grade point average? Worrying about our income? Worrying about our performance views? We should be worrying about what we're going to say and how we're going to be judged when we stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God who holds eternity in His hand. Church, what's happening here in this story is counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. This, is, this whole thing that's happening, it's a counterfeit. It's the counterfeit of the judgment of Jesus, and it's being replaced or counterfeited with the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar. And it's all demonic. Amen? Yes. Among those there were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they are of the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs, Gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, before I, I get into these names, I want you to see something that was in Babylon. It's something that I noticed in Babylon. And it's something that we still today have the same thing happening. There are three kinds of people in Babylon. Generality. And there are three kinds of people today. One there are the godly. There are those who will not bow a knee. There are those who will not submit and will not commit to the spirit of this world. There are those who remain loyal. These young men were loyal. They stood fast. They would not bow down to any other idol. They would not bow down to any other king. They knew who their king was. They would not bow down. They were committed to the Lord. These were the godly. Then there are the ungodly. In this story, we see them. These are the false God worshipers. These are those who are completely and full-blown from inside out. These are Babylonians. These are those who support Babylon, who love Babylon, who want to be Babylonians. And what those Babylonians want to do is they want to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. And it doesn't matter who else it affects. And they want you to come with them. They want to take the people of God and bring them into their culture. They want to get, oh, come on. God loves you. Don't worry about it. Let's go party. Oh, don't worry, honey. You know what? God is a God of love, and he, pre he gave us this love. So it's okay that we have sex. That's what the ungodly will do. And, and let me just say this. This is not... This is just truth. Some of you ladies need to stay away from ungodly guys yes. that are just trying to pull you into their ungodly lifestyle. You find a man that will pull you up, not down. Amen. And I can go both ways, but I just felt, to, as a father, I want to say that to my daughters. So the third person in this group are the fence dwellers, as I call them. Those who say they're believers, yet act like Babylonians. Those who are eating the king's food, those who are drinking the king's wine, those who are serving the king's cause, those who are bowing down to worship the king's God, riding the fence, just like Jehoiakim, King Jehoiakim did, rode the fence. Church, my point is this, that every one of us, and again, I say this because I love you. Lacey said, I should count how many times you say that. <laughs> Every single one of us, we have to decide, we, we have to realize which category we're in. 
Are you in the category of the godly? Are, are you in the category of the ungodly? Or are you in the category of what, what I'll call the confusing? Because the fence rider, the fence rider is confusing. I don't know where you stand. I don't know what you believe in. I don't know where you are. You're confusing. The fence dweller is confusing to both sides. Because nobody knows where, you, where the chameleon sits. Today we call them lukewarm. Today we call them backsliders. Cultural Christians. Americans. Church, people that say, you know what? I'm a believer, but I'm going to live like a Babylonian. I love Jesus, but I'm going to sleep with my girlfriend. I love Jesus, but I'm going partying. Listen, you can't be on both sides. They're two different teams. They're not two teams meshing together. They're two teams colliding in battle. It's the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Babylon. It's the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of Babylon. There's a battle going on, a war. And church, let me just say this. If you're a Christian, burn your reversible jersey. Get rid of it. Because a Christian shouldn't have a reversible jersey for whatever they feel like in a certain moment. Whether we want to be on Team Jesus or on Team Babylon. It does, we get rid of the reversible jacket and make a commitment to say, this is who I am and this is what I do. Choose this day whom you will serve. With that being said... You know what? What the spirit of Babylon wants to do, and this is really the, an important part of this, the spirit of Babylon wants to reshape these young men's identity. And he wants to reshape, reprogram, retrain them so that they would take a new identity and they start off by changing their identity by giving them a new name. Their parents gave them names showing who they were under the Lord, who they were in the blessings of God, who they were as devoted to God. The first thing that happens when they, they're dragged off to Babylon is that the Babylonians give them a new name. They rename them. Church, let me say, the spirit of Babylon is still doing that today. And he's doing it by name calling. Today, and, and again, this will make some of you mad. Today, it's not even that I have to acknowledge your lifestyle. If I don't fully embrace your lifestyle, I get named a bigot. And that's Babylon trying to make me believe that I'm a bigot. Look, if I don't fully embrace Black Lives Matter, then I am a racist. If I don't fully... Because I believe in, in the patriarchy and the, and the order that God has given us in his word, because I believe in that, well, you are just misogynistic. You just got a fear of women. Or, hey, if I don't agree with your gay or lesbian lifestyle, well, you're just intolerant. And the spirit of Babylon is constantly trying to rename you, trying to put these things on you. You're unloving. You're unkind. You're a hypocrite. You're supposed to be loving. Look, loving you does not mean I embrace your sinful lifestyle. Loving you means I stand up here as God has placed me in this pulpit and declare, cut it out. Stop it. Put away your sinful ways. God died for them. Quit thinking that you're going to get away with it. The spirit of Babylon wants to rename you, and that's what's happening here. These guys have Hebrew names, and they give them these Babylonian names. Do you know what Daniel means? Daniel means God is my judge. 
God is my, what, talk about a prophetic name that would describe a man's life. God is my judge. Do you know that he spent almost 70 years in Babylonian captivity, Daniel, who God is my judge? Nebuchadnezzar tried to judge him, and he didn't care because he knew who his judge was. The, the, uh, the king tried to. The people of Babylon tried to. The devil tried to. The demons tried to judge him, and he doesn't care because Daniel stood before an audience of one. Church, how big is the audience that we stand before, that you stand before? Daniel stood before an audience of what he knew. And Daniel said this in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel said in verse 2, he said, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that one day he would get out of Babylon. And he knew that he knew that he knew that one day he would come out of the grave. And he knew that one day he would stand before the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He would stand before this righteous judge, the one named Jesus Christ. And he would, Jesus, be the judge. And only Jesus. He lived for an audience of one. And that is the key. That's Daniel's resolution there. Belshazzar, they named his name Bel, that B-E-L, that, or B-A-L, it's, it's a demon god. And you can look it up, the demon god of the moon, and we could go deep into all of that. But what that really, the name really means is Bel, or this demon god, protects his life. So from God is his judge to now, you know what, Bel will protect you. God will take, don't worry, this demon god will take care of you. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. There should be a whole lot more Hananiahs out there, huh? Shadrach, they changed his name to Shadrach, means the command of a coup, which is a whole nother religion. It's a false, counterfeit, demonic God. Listen, Satan doesn't care what God you worship as long as it's not Jesus Christ. He doesn't care how many false gods you worship. He doesn't care which goddess or God or what you do. He doesn't care as long as it's not Jesus. The only unacceptable religion today is Christianity. But I want you to know, narrow is the path that leads to life. Broad, wide is the road that leads to destruction. There aren't many paths. There's not many truths. There's not many ways. There is one way. There is one truth. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the only way back unto the Father. And the enemy wants us to buy into something else. Satan wants you to believe in some false god. And he doesn't care what false god you believe. It's just as long as you believe in a false god, that's okay. He doesn't care which cult you follow. He doesn't care which false religion you go after. He doesn't care at all. That's the spirit of Babylon. Mishael means who is what God is, meaning that there is no one like my God. And Meshach, when he changed his name to Meshach, it's what is, who is what a coup is, saying the demon God is more powerful than the one true God. Azariah means Yahweh is my helper. God helps me. Abednego means servant or slave devoted to lo- or loyal to Nebo, which is the Babylonian god of wisdom. He's saying, you know what? By name, I'm going to serve this god. My wisdom will come from Nebo, from the Babylonian god, not from my god. I love this, though. As you read through the whole of Daniel, you see that the Babylonians, they're continually calling these guys by their Babylonian name. They're always calling them. We still do. We, you know what? We, we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a Babylonian name that they never referred to themselves that way. They never once referred to themselves in Daniel by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or Belshazzar. They call themselves by their Hebrew names. When they're in conversation, it's always by their Hebrew names. They don't don't even recognize their Babylonian names. Why? Church, because they know who they are. They know who they are. They know what their identity is. And you, you need to know that if you are a born-again Christian, you are. It doesn't say you will be, but you are now. As a born-again Christian, you are a child of God. And your eternal destiny is secure in Him. Our God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, you will never go begging for bread. A heart of God is a Father's heart towards you now. You have a Father in heaven that loves you, that's being restored to you, that will care for you. 
That means that you are forgiven, that you have been cleansed, that you have been made righteous, that you are blessed, that you now are secure and destined as a part of the heavenly kingdom that will never end. Look, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are and it can change your identity. Your identity. Because you can't change your real identity that's in Christ. All you can do is learn to trust Him and begin to walk in that identity. Begin to walk in who He created you to be. Because you are who He said you are. And you have the authority to walk in that. But as long as the spirit of Babylon can get you believing that you're something else other than what God says, He will keep you caged up. He will keep you enslaved. He will keep you trained. He will keep tempting you to continue to go back into the trap, back into the cage, back into the bondage, back into what the enemy has for you. You are who God says you are. That's what you need to stand on. Your identity is in him. And God, he gave these young men an identity. He gave them a nature. And no one could take that away from them. There was a time a few years back when Joni and I were going through a really, really difficult time. This was before we were here. And um, there was, it was, it was a, a real, it was a demonic attack. And there were people that we trusted, people that we knew, that were people that, that were in authority, that were saying horrible things about the two of us. They were saying lies about me, lies about my character, lies about things, total lies. And, and I'm, I, it made, I was spitting mad. And I, I was like, I would have ripped heads off. I would have done, I, I, I would have come unglued. And those people would have said, see? I spent most of my time just holding Joni back. It was the spirit of Babylon that was coming against us. And I, I know that I know that I know that what the spirit of the Lord said to me is, Mark, they may say things about you. They may try to put names on you. Mark, don't let them in you. Amen. Don't let them in you. And it was a fight. And we didn't. But I tell you what, we, we didn't, we just, we just, okay, God. No, I know who I am. I know who I am. And God, it was amazing. God did these miraculous things to unveil the truth. He exposed the liars in an in a absolutely public way. It was like he did what we could never have done. And we just sat back and God just did what God does. And again, I really do believe with all my heart that it's because that understanding that I'm a child of God and doing what God has called me to do, what my name reflected and not responding. And, and I want you to know that in your life, you may have some critics and you may have some enemies and you may have some people that come at you with bitter, vengeful acts and things that are said, angry people. You may have de demons that want to whisper in your ear and tell you all sorts of things. Babylon is going to seek to rename you. Church, they may put a name on you, but don't let that name in you. You are who God says you are. Don't let that name, don't you let that in you. You know, I am a child of God and he has called you by name. He has set you apart. Do you know God has named you? Amen. He's given you his name. And you need to know that. And that God will ultimately take care of whoever or whatever is against you. Your king will take care of things. Amen. Trust him. Remain loyal and steadfast. Amen? Amen? Let me just briefly talk about the spirit of God. Because there is a battle, a battle between the spirit of God and the spirit of Babylon. And, and I love this, and I want you to see this. This is so important. And, and we see in Daniel's life, in Daniel chapter 4, we see that the Babylonian people, these ungodly people, and they're looking at them, and, and the Babylonian people in Daniel chapter 4, they look at him and say, wow, you, you have the spirit of Elohim on you. They, they were looking at these guys living in Babylon and going, you guys got something going on. What, I don't know what it is. That word the Elohim and some of your translations have different words there. What it means is a citizen or a resident of a member of the unseen divine realm. 
I mean, you know, the Babylonians, they had no idea what they were seeing in these guys. They were just going, I don't know what this is. They didn't know if it was a demon. They didn't know if it was the Spirit of God. They didn't know which team it was coming from. All they did was they looked at these guys and said, man, there is something different about you guys. There is something in you, and whatever it is that's in you is more powerful than what it is that's in me. There's something you got. There's something that I see in you. And they didn't know what it was. And so they're, they're looking at them and they're saying, you know what? The spirit in you is stronger than the demonic spirit that's in us. And church, that's the whole backdrop. People should be able to look at you and go, wow, you know what? I don't know what's different about you, but there is something about you. You walk in a sense of authority. You walk in a sense of courage. You walk in a sense of knowing who you are. And it's different than what I see in anybody else. I'm not seeing that kind of thing in anybody else. And I don't know what it is in you. I don't know what it is that's motivating you like that. But what is it that makes you so different? And you have the privilege of saying, let me tell you about my Jesus. God will open up those doors for you as you walk in his ways. So, so there's the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of God. Well, how does the spirit of God want you to live while you are here in Babylon? How does he want you to do that? And one thing that we have to recognize and, and is this, that you are where you are because God has sent you there. God sends you. Otherwise, why didn't he just take you right up out of Babylon? And, and we are in Babylon. Yes. Well, why didn't he do that? Because he sent you where you are. Listen to this. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, and, and, I, and I love this word. I want to press into this. But Daniel resolved. You know what Daniel did in resolve? He made a decision in a moment that he would keep the rest of his life. He had that kind of resolve. There was a point 35 years ago when my wife and I went to the altar to get married. And there was a point in that ceremony where the minister asked us some questions and he said some things to me and he said, and I don't remember any of those things that he said, but I remember this. He said, Mark, if so, Answer, I do. And in a moment, in that moment, I said, I do. And that momentary decision became a resolve that I would keep for the rest of my life. That for the rest of my life, because in that moment, I made a decision. And in that moment, that decision became something that would reflect in the rest of my life. That I would keep my wife. I would protect my wife. I would live for my life. I would die for my wife. I would do whatever it took to see my wife blessed, to see her encouraged. I will live for her. And that was in that moment, I made a decision. And that decision is a decision of resolve that I have kept for the rest of this life and will keep for the rest of this lifetime because the decision was made in resolve, which means covenant. It's a covenant. And you and I, we come into a covenant with God. And in that covenant, it's a covenant that God says on his side, oh yes, you know what? I will never leave you. I will never turn from you. And in that covenant, we are in a moment, a moment that we say, Jesus, come into my life. And Jesus comes into our life. And we are in that moment, born again, and in our resolve, in that covenant, we say, God, I don't care what happens. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what happens to me. I will not turn from you. I will never stop seeking you. I will continue to honor you. You are my God and I will go to you one day and I will not let this world sway me from you. That is resolve and that's the kind of resolve that Daniel had. Church, do you have that kind of resolve towards your Jesus? Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that they drank. The, uh, with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He, again, he's saying, I, you know what? I want to be an exception here. And so what does he do? He doesn't get up and start shouting. And he asks. He asks. And God gave him favor. God gave him favor. Grace. Daniel, he was nice. And God extended grace through this Babylonian eunuch. 
Grace came. Church, if you do not think you need grace in this lifetime, if you do not think you need grace while you are walking through Babylon, you are sorely mistaken. Listen, and if you don't think that you're in Babylon, you are sorely mistaken there as well. And he says, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king. Look, church, the spirit of Babylon wants to rule you with fear. The spirit of Babylon wants to rule us with fear. We, we get so fearful about things. We say, you know what? I, I can't talk about Jesus because I'll get fired. I can't talk about Jesus because there will be consequences. I can't talk about Jesus because there will be haters. I've heard this before. Well, I can't talk about Jesus because then they'll push me away and I'll never have a chance to tell them about Jesus. Talk about using Jesus as a cop-out. How about, you know what, I can't, I can't quote that Bible verse because, well, that's a clobber verse. I can't because that's a controversial verse. That's politically incorrect. <laughs> Amen. I do love you. You know what? I can't tell you that God doesn't tolerate your lifestyle. I can't say, you know what? God wants you to repent, not embrace. God wants you to repent of that lifestyle. I can't because there will be a response. You'll try to call me names and rename me and make all kinds of evil posts about the church and all sorts of things about me and all sorts of... It all comes from the spirit of Babylon. Church, it's fear. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear. So where does that spirit of fear come from? It comes from behind the curtain and it comes from the spirit of Babylon. And the spirit of Babylon sends the spirit of fear so that you'll stop acting like the spirit of God wants you to act. God says, I did not give you a spirit of fear. I gave you the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Where does that come from? That comes from behind the curtain. That's what God sends to you and I. He gives us power, love, and a sound mind. The eunuch here, he's saying, you know what, Daniel, I'd love to help you, but I'm afraid. I'm fearful. Fear has to do with punishment. Punishment that we're going to be punished for believing what we believe, for saying what we believe, we, uh, for saying what we believe and for declaring what God has to say. The enemy wants to make us fearful for doing what God has called us to do. I fear my Lord the King who assigned their food and your drink, uh, your food and your drink, and why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are your own age? So would you endanger my head with the king? So he's told, if he doesn't do this, what's going to happen? He's going to live the rest of his life without a head. He's going to be headless. I thought, man, aren't you glad your boss, when you walk in for a performance review, doesn't have a machete sitting on his desk? <laughs> then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. You know you have faith when you willingly take a vegetarian diet. Sorry, all you vegetarians, I am not coming down on you. I am admiring you because I do not have that much faith. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants accordingly to, uh, according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. This is a glorious verse. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. Don't you wish that was the world we lived in? <laughs> hey, the fatter the better. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. But again, the fatter than the flesh than the youth. How did that happen on a vegetarian diet? How in the world did that go on? So the steward took away their food and the wine and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. <laughs> These guys had to be going... Now what did we do wrong? <laughs> I, I want to 
finish with these four things. One, I want you to see that church in everything, there's a counterfeit. You know, the spirit of Babylon was working on a counterfeit here. You know what this is a counterfeit for? This food, the wine, the train. You know what this is? It's counterfeit communion. And it all started way back in Genesis chapter 3 when our very first parents decided that they would sit down and have a meal with the devil and not invite God. And because of that, God had to bring the Passover. And the Passover was where we would, we would come together and we would have a meal with God. The, the devil wasn't invited to while we waited for the Messiah. And after the Messiah, Jesus came, we now have communion. And communion is when we celebrate a meal. We celebrate a meal with God where the enemy, the devil, is not invited until we wait for the second coming. And this is Babylon counterfeiting what communion was intended to be. We celebrate communion because we want to be reminded. We want to remember the goodness of God. We want to remember the broken body that he bore for you and me, the flesh that was torn apart for you and for me, the juice that represents this new covenant, the shed blood of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who made a way for you and for me. As we partake in communion, we are eating a meal with God. And in doing that, we are declaring to the enemy, you're not welcome at our table. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians, as I read earlier, but Paul says, but there are some of you, there are some that are believers and they're bringing demons to the communion celebration. This is all just counterfeit. It's the counterfeit. The counterfeit that he's offering here is the same counterfeit that the devil offered Jesus in Matthew chapter four, in Luke chapter four, when he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, see all this kingdom? It can all be yours. All the best food, all the best drink. All you have to do is worship me. That's all. Church, when we eat with somebody, we are welcoming them into our life. When we break bread together, it, it is an important thing. It's when we're, we're coming and we're opening our hearts and our lives to partnership, to friendship, to fellowship. And this is a counterfeit communion in Babylon. And Satan, through this king, is opening up the table and he's laying it all out and saying, I want you to sit with me. And I want you, you Israelites, I want you to build a relationship with me. I want you to come and have fellowship with me. I want you to come and have time with me so that we can do life together. That's what the counterfeit is offering you. A place to do life together with the demonic. It's counterfeit, and it's a betrayal of God. Quickly, the second, let's look at Daniel's character. I, I love this. Daniel disagrees with what's going on, and he does it in an agreeable way. Come on. I'll, I'll. Sometimes as Christians, we can just be so disrespectful to our ungodly boss. We can be so disrespectful to our ungodly neighbors because we think that we're the righteous Church Daniel, he is respectful. He is kind. He presents this alternative plan. Hey, how about we try this? You know what? We, we need to stop thinking it's enough that we just tell people what we're not for. We need to start having a plan for what we are for. It's really easy to say what I'm against, but when are we going to start to stand up for what we're for? And this is what this guy does. Daniel says, hey, how about this? Let's just run a test. 10 days, come on, we can just do this. If it doesn't work, I, I, we'll be responsible. We, we'll do this. He's Listen, church, I, I've preached to this to you for years. Be nice. Be nice. Nice goes a long way. Look at what nice did here. Nice, the character of David, the integrity of da or Daniel... Brought forth the breakthrough that he needed through the demonic guy that was in charge of them. Why? Because he was nice. And he had compassion and showed favor. They liked him. Did he ever submit to their way, commit to their way, give in to their way? No, never. Never. I can love you and not love the way you live. 
Babylon wants to tell you something different. Three, control. Daniel has two choices here. He can, he can try to control the future or he can relinquish and trust God to control the future. Church, I know in my own life and I know in the lives of many that I spend time talking with, we really aren't looking for God's will. We are looking for ways where, um, where the decisions we make are simply trying to manipulate or get God to do what we really want him to do. Or we're trying to control what we don't want to happen. And really, I mean, we're just exerting control and trying to manipulate what we want God to do. And here, Daniel, that's not what he does. He says, you know what? I'm not sure if this is going to work, but God, I'm just going to put it all into your hands and I'm going to relinquish control to this whole thing. I'm doing what you said to do, but God, I don't care whether it works or whether it doesn't work. I am going to remain loyal to the one true God. And he doesn't give in. And last thing is that Daniel, I want you to see his commitment. Daniel says, you know what? I'm going to do what's right, even if everything goes wrong. Are you committed to being a follower of Jesus, even if Jesus doesn't do everything you want him to do, the way you want him to do it, when he wants you to do it, or when you want him to do it? Daniel was completely, I don't know, you know what? Everything may go on. You, you know what, church? It rains on the just and the unjust. You know what? There are some of you that may experience some sickness in your life. There are some of you that may go through a divorce. There are some of you that may go through some times of, of pain. There, you, some of you, your family may reject you. You may lose your job. You may have to sell your house. But ultimately, your eternal reward for everything that you've sacrificed, your eternal reward will, will he, God will bring that reward into your life. He will bring that eternal reward to you as you submit yourself and complete yourself and walking through, traversing through this place of Babylon. You know what we're doing? We're walking through Babylon, doing what God's called us to do. But all of us, we're just headed home. Can we be faithful Will we be faithful as we're headed that way? Because this is the story of Daniel. I read the story of Daniel, and as I read it this, through this last few times, you know what? I, it took a whole different look. Daniel, his, his eternal reward, is what, he received that in heaven. All of Daniel's reward came in heaven. Because his life, my goodness, there was no earthly reward. Yet today, I believe that Daniel is experiencing an eternal reward because of his faithfulness, because of what he did. Let me point this out. You're sent. God sent you where you are. Wherever you, listen, wherever you are is you are there because God has sent you there. Come on, Amen. So let me point out, the place of work is your place of worship. It's your place of witness. It's your place of testimony. That's where God has sent you. All of, if you look at Daniel, all of his trials, all of his troubles, all the tribulation that he went through, all the difficulties that he went through, they were at work. They were on the job troubles. He was having a hard time with his boss. And many of your trials and troubles and tribulations will come at work. They will be at the hand of your boss. The place that God has called you to worship Him. The place where God has called you to be a witness. And it will happen where you work. It will happen there. What that means is if you're a child of God, look, if you're a child of God, you don't just work for your boss. You work for your boss's boss. His name is Jesus. And he is the ultimate boss. That's why when you go to work, you don't go late. You don't leave early. You show up early and you stay late. Why? Because I'm working for my boss. You don't steal from your job. You don't take your work hours and spend it watching YouTube, playing solitaire, or heading out, you know, going on TikTok. 
Church, you live with integrity. You live with character. And you let your integrity and you let your character be a witness to those that are around you. That they would look at you and that they would see you as, king, as the, the, see you as the one holding on to the king of kings. One who is sharing with them the king of kings through your life and through your actions and through the way that you're living your life. We look to that place of integrity and character because I am in my identity, in your identity, I am born again. I am a child of the most high king. I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and I will continue to serve him wherever I am and in everything I do and I'm going to live my life in such a way that people will look at me and they will say, who are you? What's in you? How are you living that way? Why aren't you angry? Why aren't you upset? How are you doing this? I do. What's in you? It's Jesus. And God will open the door to share your testimony, to share with people the goodness of the God who came into your life and saved you and set you apart and sent you to that place that you are. And I'm going to be faithful. And even today, I'm going to make a resolute decision that where I go, God, you and I, we're going together. And I'm going to walk in integrity. And I'm going to walk in my identity. And I don't care what I think. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what anybody else feels about me. I am who Jesus says I am. And I'm going to walk in that grace. And I'm going to walk in that power. And I'm going to walk in that authority. God did not send you to blend into the darkness. He sent you as light to drive it out. And if, and if we as Christians, if, if all we're doing is hiding our light under a basket so that we can blend in, it's the spirit of fear coming out of that behind the curtains place of Babylon. And Babylon is finding victory in our lives. No more. No more. Stand up because of who I am. You, you need to stand up because of who you are. Jesus purchased your life. He purchased your life. He purchased your life. He purchased you. He paid the penalty. He gave himself for you. You are his and he is yours. He has called you by name. Come on, church. Amen? Amen? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for a church alive. I thank you for a church that loves you. I thank you for a church, Lord, that will stand up, step up, and step out. I thank you for a people that will be who you've called us to be so that we can do what you've called us to do. I thank you, Lord, for courage and boldness. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the example of a whole bunch of, of fishermen and down-and-outers, disciples, Lord God, that betrayed you, that turned from you, that ran from you, that, Lord, when you poured your spirit out, you filled them up, Lord, so that they would be bold, that they would be willing to go to the cross because they knew in whom they were possessed by. They knew their God. They knew the price that was paid. They knew the life that was now guaranteed. Lord God, this world is temporary, but the eternal is forever. God bless each and every ear, each and every life, each and every one as we thank you and praise you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me ask, let me ask for those that are going to Guatemala. I, I, I want to take a moment here and I want you to come on up here so that we can pray for you. There's civil unrest that's happening right now. The airports are shut down. The roads are shut down. The team that's been working for 10 months now. To be honest, church, the trip is in jeopardy. Right As of this moment, they can't get into the airport. And those that are there can't get out of their house. The stores are shut down. The gas stations are closed. But God. Come on, amen. But God. And, and we want to we wanna pray because they, they're, they're, they're intended and still intending to leave this Saturday. To go 
build some of the houses that we raised funds for. Will you stretch your hands out towards this team? And let's declare a blessing over them. Come on, amen. For God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you know our steps. You know our todays. You know our tomorrows. And I thank you, Lord, for each one that's here. That, God, you know their tomorrows. You know what's intended. You know, Lord God, what you desire to do in them and through them and for them. And I thank you for that today, Lord. And I pray a supernatural blessing that would come upon each one. The faith to stand and believe. The faith to trust, Lord God, that you hold their future in, their ha in your hands. And I thank you for that today, Lord. I pray against every discouragement that would try to come against them. And God, I pray if it be your will that you would open up the windows and make a way for them. That you would open up the airport, open up the roadways. That you would bring a peace in this time of turmoil in this nation, Lord God, that is seeking to do what is right in your sight. I pray that the godly, that they would prevail. And I pray that the ungodly, would step aside and that you would open the doors for each one of these but I pray that in this time Lord God that we could place our trust in you and God you're the only one that knows what tomorrow holds and we're going to trust Lord God we're going to trust that if for some reason the doors don't open I thank you Lord that you have saved them from attack that you have saved them from that you have saved them from, uh, from peril, that you have saved them, Lord God. And I thank you that you will reinstall the opportunities, Lord, that have been taken by the enemy. But we trust you, Lord God, to do what is right, to do what is good, to do, Lord, what is best for this beautiful team. And I pray that you would honor them in their preparations and their sacrifices and the things that were paid, the monies that were given. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would take what the enemies meant for evil and that, God, we could trust you for the good that you have. So bless this team today. I pray you bless the trip that, God, as we put our trust in you, God, we, we put our trust in the future that you hold. Okay? We can't manipulate it. We can't control it, Lord. But we can trust the one who can. And so we do that, Lord, over each and every one of these lives. And we do it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for, um, again, for caring. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for being a part of that. Um, I can't tell you that I'm not heartbroken over this. I am. But my God is the healer of the brokenhearted. So we trust in Him. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to sing this song. You are, listen, church, you are welcome to go. But I don't want you, listen, I'll say it again. Church is not over. Church is about to begin. You've been filled up. I pray you've been fired up. I pray you've been gassed up. I pray that you've been refilled and renewed and replenished so that you can go out and go be the church. Go be the redeemed. Go be what God created you to be. Amen? God bless you. Have a beautiful day today. We're going to go out back. You can come around the side, go through the building. We're going to go celebrate baptism, new life. Come be a part of that with us as we celebrate. Let's sing this as we go.
Oh! 